And Father, I just thank you for the many years, the gifting that you've placed in Ron. And I thank you for what it means to Chris and I and our families over the 50, 60 years we've known each other. And I just ask blessings this morning over Ron. In Jesus' name, amen. Good, thank you. Wow. Am I coming across all right? I'm not used to wearing this, so uh, usually I have a microphone in my hand. Um, Thank you, Jesse and Chris, for the opportunity. I really enjoy when I get a chance to minister here. Whenever I go out in mission work, I preach a lot. So it's not like I don't get my fill. I do, but I still enjoy the opportunities here. Um, I want to mention something about the children's home in Oaxaca before I start. Friday night, Oaxaca had the worst hail and rainstorm they've had in many, many, many years. There was hail stacked up a foot deep in some places. And Carol's house itself did apparently some kind of damage or the wind blew underneath the roof and they had water coming in the house. She was hoping to get somebody out yesterday to evaluate how bad things are, but I haven't heard back yet. The children's home itself just had flooding on. They had flooding in Carol's house, flooding in the children's home. They got all that cleaned out. It was like one of the worst storms they've had in in history there in Oaxaca. So please be praying for Carol and for the children's home, Casa Ogar. I'm going to do my best to do what my wife tells me I always need to do. Talk slower. <laughs> I always seem to try to rush through it so fast. And she says, come on now, slow down. I'm going to try. Okay. Last Sunday, what do we celebrate? The resurrection, right? The resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you ever stop and think about what it was like on Friday for the disciples? I mean, here it was. The one they've been following <clears throat> for about three and a half years. suddenly didn't come down off the cross. He died. They put him in a grave. What were they thinking? You know, we, we call it Good Friday now because we look back on it and we see that the price that Jesus paid on the cross and his death paid for our sins. Now, the only one back then calling it good was the devil. He thought he'd worked a scheme He thought that he had done something to destroy God's plan. You know what? But God had a different plan. But God had a different plan in mind. And what happened Sunday morning? He arose. He arose victorious over sin, death, and the grave. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, it says this which is the result of what we saw happen on on that resurrection day. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. But God, that's the way it first starts. But God, but God. You know, 
the devil is always working a scheme, right? You've seen it in your lives. You've seen it in the lives of others. He's always working a scheme. But you know what? God never sits in heaven and says, oh, man, I didn't see that coming. God always has a plan to deal with the schemes of the enemy. Let's just see a few examples. Though I mean, this is a common theme throughout the whole word. If you look at all these different situations that happen, you realize, wow, in every case, yeah, the devil had a scheme, but God had a plan already in place. But God, think about it for a moment. In Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 6, here's right after Abraham came back from defeating some kings and met with, the, with Melchizedek, king of Salem. And it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven. Number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And it was counted to him as righteousness. Now, Devil was working a scheme, right? Sarah was barren. She couldn't have children. Besides that, she'd already gone through menopause. I mean, she was past the age of being able to do anything like that. And a few years later, Abram and Sarah kind of got tired of waiting, and the devil worked another scheme, right? And so then was born Ishmael to Hagar, the servant. But God said again, that's not my plan. I have a plan. And when Abraham was 99 years old, God came to him again. said, this time next year, Sarah is going to bear a son. Wow, can you imagine? 99 years old? In, in Romans chapter 4, it tells us, Abraham looked at his own body as good as dead and the deadness of Sarah's womb. But... Without wavering in faith and unbelief, he believed God. He believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And it's what happened. The devil had a scheme, but God had a plan. But God, but God, and miraculously, Sarah conceived and bore Isaac, the promise that God made. <clears throat> Come other examples. You know, God had a plan for Moses, right? Supposed to lead the children of Israel out of, out of Egypt into their promised land. Well, the devil had a scheme trying to stop that. Pharaoh was so concerned about all the new children being born to these Israelites who were their slaves. He put out a decree that every male baby should be put to death. But God had a plan. But God had a plan. Moses' mother said, let's put him in this basket and put it in the Nile and 
she kind of, I knew, think she knew ahead of time where they put it in is where the, the, the Pharaoh's daughter usually went to bathe. So they put the baby out there and his sister was watching. Sure enough, Pharaoh's daughter found the basket, found the baby and took him and was going to raise him as his own. But first she sent him back to his mother until he was weaned. So his mother still got to be with Moses until, she, until he went to live in the palace. And even though the devil had a scheme, God had a plan. God had a plan. During the time of the judges, one of the judges was named Samson. You remember hearing about him, right? Samson caused all kinds of problems for the Philistines. One time he even took the jawbone of a donkey and killed a thousand Philistines by himself with that. <clears throat> they were trying everything they could to put him to death. The devil had a scheme. Through Delilah, they found out if they cut off his hair, he'd lose his strength. So they sneaked up on him when he was asleep, cut his hair off, gouged out his eyes, and that, they thought, was the end of it. They put him in, in a coliseum filled with thousands of Philistines to celebrate their victory over Samson. But God had a plan. But God had a plan. They put him between two pillars that he could reach and he prayed, and he repented, and God restored his strength. And he pushed those pillars out, and that whole thing caved in. He killed more Philistines in his death than he had in his life. The devil had a scheme, but God had a plan. When Saul was anointed... Before he actually took the position, I'm sorry, when David was anointed, before he actually took the position as king, Saul was still king. Saul was very jealous of David, and he got so fearful of what David was going to come and do that he tried to kill him several times. The devil had a scheme, wanting to get rid of David before he could become the king and become one of the greatest kings Israel ever knew. But God had a plan. Every time he tried, he wasn't able. And David escaped to become the king that God had for him. And who died instead? Saul died. Not David. <clears throat> when Herod heard from the wise men that a savior had been born, a promised one, he tried to find out, well, where is this? What's it gonna, who is this? They said, well, he's in Bethlehem. So he sent them on their way and said, please come back and let me know what you found. Because he had a scheme. The devil had a scheme. God warned the wise men. They didn't go back. They went a different route. And sometime later, Herod realized, hey, I was fooled. I still want to take care of this problem. So he had all of the baby boys, two years old and under, in Bethlehem killed. He hoped to kill Jesus. But God had a plan. Before that happened, God had uh, Joseph, excuse me, mine went blank, had Joseph move his whole family down to Egypt to escape. God had a plan. If you see, even all the way through Jesus' ministry, we talked about the plan at the end, how you know God raised him up, even though the devil worked his scheme. If you look at things like Bartimaeus, remember the blind man Bartimaeus? 
He was standing beside the road, and he heard Jesus was coming. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. People tried to shut him up because the devil wanted to keep him blind, but God had a plan. But God had a plan. And Jesus heard him and turned and told him to come here. And what happened? His sight was restored. And he followed Jesus. That's what it says. He followed Jesus. All through Jesus' ministry, you can see that. Peter's mother-in-law, sick in bed with fever. Devil had a scheme. God had a plan. Jesus touched her, raised her up. The Roman centurion servant who was bad, sick, God had a plan to destroy that, to destroy that man and in in the process destroy the centurion's faith. But God had a plan. All Jesus had to do was just speak the word and his servant was healed. All through his ministry, Jesus healed people, recovered, recovered his sight to the blind, raised up the lame. Everyone, the devil had a scheme, but God had a plan. But God had a plan. If you go into the life of Paul, at Iconium, one of the places he ministered, he was stoned, dragged out of the city, and left for dead. But God had a plan. If you read 2 Corinthians 11, 24 through 28, he talks about not only this, but other situations he encountered. He says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. Any one of those could have killed him. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, (coughs) danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there are the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Wow. A lot of schemes the devil tried to work against Paul, right? But God had a plan. But God had a plan. And Paul became the writer of the majority of the books in the New Testament. God still uses what he wrote today to change our lives. God had a plan. <clears throat> To be personal for a minute, back in the early 80s, I had gotten my private pilot's license that our church had half ownership with a, with a missionary in Mexico of, a, of an, an older Beechcraft Bonanza V-tail. I don't know if you know, know well airplanes, but anyway, that airplane was, was really neat because I've had the opportunity to use it a few times. On one of my trips, I was flying up to Oklahoma to minister to church for the weekend. I've been flying along for maybe an hour, and I was about maybe 8,000 feet, beautiful, sunny summer day. And I was just feeling really good. I mean, really good. More than usual, I began singing songs, and I began praising God, and I just thought, man, life is great. And all of a sudden, I realized my synapses weren't quite making like they should in my brain. I wasn't quite thinking like I should. And I remembered something my instructor had told me. He said, one of the first signs of carbon monoxide poisoning 
is that very thing. You get elated, and then you realize you're not really thinking right. I knew I had to do something quickly, so I cried out, Jesus, help me. That's exactly what I said, Jesus, help me. And I looked at the, on this plane that had a little fly window by the by pilot seat. I said, do not open over, I think it was 110 miles an hour. So I slowed down and opened that window. Problem was, it created a vacuum. It didn't bring the air in. I thought, what do I do next? Then I remembered something else my instructor had told me. He said, in one of, our, one of my trading flights, he said, if, the, if this door over here on the other side was from where I was, if it ever pops open while you're taking off or flying or landing, don't worry about it. The wind will keep it from flying all the way open. So I reached over and popped that door open and went about that far out before the wind stopped it. Now I had a breeze coming across. Able to start clearing my head a little bit. And I thought, I gotta land this plane. <laughs> I looked down, didn't really know where I was, and I looked down, there was an airport, little airport down there. So I circled a couple of times when I landed the plane, st- staggered out of the airplane, clearing my head, and I looked over and there was a guy coming out of one of the hangars, it turned out he's a mechanic. He came over and I told him the situation. He looked at it. He opened the, the hood of the engine and he, he said, uh, you've got carbon monoxide leaking through your manifold. It was a manifold heater. It wasn't I mean, it just heat coming through the engine manifold coming to there. So he took that hose off, stuffed a rag in it, wired it all up. said, you'll be fine now. So I went on my way. The devil had a scheme. He wanted to kill me. But God had a plan. The God had a plan. Got back home, told one of the other pilots in the, in the church about it. He said, oh, I don't think that would happen. He went and checked it out. Sure enough, they had to replace the manifold. It had a hole in it, leaking carbon monoxide into the cabin. The devil had a scheme, but God had a plan. I think probably all of us, if not right now, have been in the throes of one of the schemes of the enemy, right? He wants to kill you. He he worked a scheme against Kevin with his body, but God had a plan, right? He worked a scheme against Harry, but God had a plan. He's worked schemes against a lot of us. We've come through. We've seen what God did. Some of us are still in the middle of those schemes. But we have to remember, God has a plan. But God, but God. Yeah, it would happen this way, this way, but God. Now, does that mean that we just sit back and do nothing? No. There are three things we need to do. Number one, We must believe God. We must believe God. I mean, that sounds easy, but when you're in the middle of that scheme, suffering with sickness or your finances are about to crash or you have relationship problems or whatever it is, right in the middle of that, sometimes it's really hard to believe. In 1 John 3, verse 8, the second part of that, says the reason the Son of God appeared was to what? Destroy the works of the devil. We have to believe. We've given our lives to Jesus. We're trusting him. We're walking with him. We have to believe that he wants to destroy those works of the devil. 
couple of mornings ago, I was lying in bed, still waking up, and I started thinking about, you know, the situation with Cindy and the cancer and things we're dealing with, and just, you know, my mind was starting to say, how are you going to afford all this? But all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me, because he's given us a promise. He's going to take care of all of our needs, right? That's his promise. The Lord spoke to me and said, you don't have to know ahead of time what I, it, how, I, how I will do what I promised. Just believe that I will and watch expectantly for me to do it. You don't have to know ahead of time how he's going to do it. You've got a promise. Just believe he's going to do it and watch expectantly for it to happen. You know? Now, if any of you follow me on Facebook, I, I put on there every day what I'm hearing from God you know, while listening if you want to follow it, all you have to do is just find me on Facebook, and they're right there. They're in public. You can, everybody can see them. But I'm, I'm really, I really appreciate what God speaks to me, and I think also we share. I share because I think he wants to touch other lives through it as well. Amen. So welcome. Help yourself. It's called hashtag while listening, but it, it's under my name. You have to look for me. I'm on there. <laughs> all right. We must believe God. We must believe God. You know, one of the greatest schemes the devil works against us is to tear down our faith. He knows if we keep standing and believing, he will be defeated some way, somehow, sooner or later. We have to keep believing in the face of whatever it is we're facing. Number two, we must be aware of the devil's schemes. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 11 says, In order that Satan might not outwitness, outwit us, for we are not aware of his schemes. The devil loves to try to outwit us with his schemes, try to tell us lies that aren't true, but he makes us believe them. We can't do that. We have to be aware that the devil has schemes. He wrestles against us. And when we're aware of it, we can stand against it. If we're not aware of what's happening, we tend sometimes just to lie down and defeat. We have to recognize this is just a scheme, just a scheme that the devil's working. Stand against it. Number three, we must take a stand. We must take a stand. I want to read to you Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, Stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and his shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times of the Spirit with all prayer and supplication for all the saints.
How do we resist the schemes? Put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Now, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. But go back and then read through those things about what he's saying to us. We put on that armor. Now, taking a stand doesn't mean necessarily we stand still. Okay? Taking a stand is a thing to, something we do in our spirit. It says, no, no, I will not give in to you, devil. I'm so disappointed sometimes when I hear of Christians, and even myself, just kind of giving up. Saying, well, I don't know what else to do. I guess that's it, you know? No, we must, we must, we must take a stand. Now, who puts on armor? Hmm? A warrior. A warrior. You say, but I'm not a warrior. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. There's a warrior within you that needs to arise, put on that armor, and take a stand. Sometimes taking a stand is doing what David did when Goliath was challenging the armies of Israel. Picked up his sling and his stones and went running out there against him and said, you're the one going to fall, not me. The devil had a scheme, right? He wanted to use Goliath and the army of the Philistines to defeat Israel. But David, God had a plan. God had a plan. He didn't put on somebody else's armor. He just went with what God gave him. And that's what your armor is. It's not going to look like anybody else's. Your breastplate of righteousness may not look like somebody else's. Your hymn of salvation may not look like somebody else's. The way you use your sword may be different than somebody. Sorry, I'm talking fast again. <laughs> the way you use your sword may be different than somebody else. But it's your armor. It's who you are. And you need to go out and face that Goliath and see him brought down in the name of Jesus. Amen. We have to do that, guys. We have to. The devil always has schemes. But God. But God. This morning I was praying and I heard the Lord say, You know, if you want to see me defeat my enemies, let the warrior I put within you arise. Very few times is God just going to stand still or take a stand without us doing anything and he's going to do something. It does happen occasionally. Most of the time, he wants to do his victories, his work, his battles through us. Through us. We are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. He has called us for this time. At this time right now, kind of like what... Um, my mind went blank. Um, the lady in the Bible that went to... Esther, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm okay. I don't have my synapses firing right, but I'm a. <laughs> when Mordecai, her uncle, told her when she was thinking, I don't know if I could do this, I might die. What did he tell her? Who knows but what you were put into the kingdom for just such a time as this. I want every one of you to know this. You are here today in God's kingdom for just this time. And he's wanting you to let the warrior within you arise and see God do his plan.
in the face of all the schemes of the enemy, keep declaring, but God, but God. Now, I want you to stand for a minute. I want you to think about some scheme the enemy's working against you right now. Now, I want to tell you this. Even if you die fighting that scheme, as long as you die believing and fighting, you still are going to win. Okay? But our first response should be, but God. Now, I want you to think about that scheme. And I want you to say out loud, but God. Come on, say it again. But God. Say it with conviction. But God. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I trust that you'll see more victories in the future. If you need personal prayer, there'll be people down here to pray for you as we close. Amen. Anything else you guys want to say? Okay, be blessed.